in a haunted house by joseph b bowles from the water valley progress mississippi january fourteenth nineteen o five read by rob marland this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. in a haunted house by joseph b bowles a new yorker's experience with a strange old colonial mansion a nerve-wracking night some startling incidents which seemed impossible of rational explanation by t d sullivan congressman-elect from new york city this is i think the strangest experience in a career that has not been monotonous it is true and at one time i had some trouble keeping it out of the papers now there's no more reason for keeping quiet about it so i may as well tell the whole story for the first time the reason why i need not keep the secret any longer is because a big old-fashioned red brick building was torn down this year it was once a private residence then an office building and now its site is the site of a steel skyscraper that is the way new york grows but at the time this narrative deals with the house was a residence a big rambling roomy old residence at that remodelled from a colonial mansion there was a young fellow whose father had been a dear friend of mine he had recently married his bride had taken a fancy to the house and her husband being rich and eager to gratify any whim of hers had bought it in at a sheriff's sale of uptown property the purchaser is now a united states congressman i have not permission to use his name so i will call him clark his chief opponent at the sale was a real estate dealer o gorman is near enough to his real name to suit present purposes this o gorman was a shrewd shifty unscrupulous chap who had visions of the great future of the upper west side visions that later came true if you ever get dissatisfied with the old place i'll take it off your hands at the figure of my best bid to-day he said to clark after the sale clark laughed at him gave orders for the house's renovation and sailed with his bride for europe on a six months trip the trouble begins i was sitting in my office one day about half a year later when clark sauntered in i saw from his face he was bothered about something after our first meeting he came to the point i've made a bad investment in that old bartolf house he said the colonial builder's name had been jan bartolf and the house was still referred to in the neighbourhood by his name doesn't mrs clark like the place as much as she expected to i asked him she hasn't had a chance to judge of it he said and i don't mean that she shall the house is haunted haunted what nonsense that's what i thought when i came home last week from europe and found that not a single day's work had been done on the repairs i ordered answered clark i went to the contractor and he calmly informed me he wouldn't touch the job and that i could have my money back he said that ghosts had frightened his workmen half to death that he'd seen and heard things there that couldn't be explained 
and that every man in his employ would strike if he ordered them to work there and you believed all that rot i laughed no replied clark seriously i didn't i thought he was lying i went over the house myself and well what he said was true you can guy me if you like old man but the house is haunted and i'm going to get rid of it i suppose white monsters clattered their chains at you i hazarded and you ran a block before you identified the hideous spectres as a pack of mice scampering in the loose plastering of the walls if you take it that way he said offended at my guying there's no use inviting any more of your jokes by telling you what really happened to me there i'm going to hunt up o'gorman tell him the truth about the place and see if his offer to buy it still holds good he may be willing to pay something for it as a land speculation he never could get a tenant to stay there now clark's absolute sincerity began to make an impression on me i saw that he was terribly in earnest that he believed he was telling the truth and that he was really ready to sell the valuable property for a song look here clark i said i'm sorry i guide you but it all seems so absurd you know as well as i do that there are no such things as ghosts don't be foolish and give up the place till you've made sure what are you going to do this evening nothing especial why come and dine with me then we'll take a box of cigars a bundle of candles and a light lunch along and go together to this haunted house of yours for the night i've always wanted to see a ghost maybe i can find some explanation for it all my first idea on hearing his story had been that o'gorman in order to gain possession of the property he coveted had bribed the contractor to spring that ghost yarn but when clark himself had apparently seen or heard something to verify the crazy belief the affair began to take on a more serious aspect a night investigation i took a long nap that afternoon to obviate the chance of going to sleep during the vigil and promptly at ten that evening i started with clark for the bartholf mansion it was as i said a rambling old brick dwelling and built in colonial days by an eccentric dutchman concerning whom some odd stories still survived the neighbours it seemed had regarded him as a sort of wizard or magician as we walked up the uneven path to the front porch the old pile of brick looked in the moonlight like the regular dime novel haunted house and as clark let us in through the great blackened oak doors the darkness of the huge hall seemed to rush forward to meet us we set about our preparations in a business-like way we established our headquarters for the night in the big drawing-room to the right of the hall we lighted a half-dozen candles stuck them in the rusty iron sconces about the wall and set about examining the room the walls were lined with faded tapestry one or two old half-defaced pictures hung here and there notably one of old jan bartolf himself which was directly above the mantel several pieces of furniture occupied the bare floor whose hardwood boards were warped by dampness and neglect 
we made sure that no hiding-place for lurking mischief-makers existed within the four walls of the apartment then candle in hand we made a systematic detour of the whole dusty creaking house well said clark as we reached the top of the wide staircase on our return toward the ground floor if there'd been a man or even a mouse concealed anywhere we'd have found him let's go back to the drawing-room and why it's dark down there we were halfway downstairs as he spoke on our way up the light of the candles in the drawing-room sconces had cast a glow across the hall now except where illuminated by the two candles in our hands the whole lower floor was in dense blackness ghostly mystery what do you think now asked clark i made no reply but ran down the remaining steps into the drawing-room the smell of extinguished candles filled the room all was dark save where a broad patch of moonlight from the one unshuttered window fell on the floor in the very centre of that patch was an old mahogany rocking-chair it was rocking with a quiet regular motion as if some invisible guest were taking his ease and swaying himself to sleep do you see that whispered clark over my shoulder that's what i saw when i came up here in broad daylight it's a current of air i explained but even as i said it i knew that no real draught could enter that closed room with force enough to blow out six candles and start a heavy chair into motion moreover the air in the room was dead and motionless i never used to believe in this sort of thing any more than you do said clark but who can doubt it now i can doubt it i answered help me light these candles in the sconces and we'll make another inspection of the room we lighted the candles as we set foot in the room the chair had ceased rocking we once more made the rounds of the apartment patting the tapestry against the walls with our hands looking under each bit of furniture sounding the bricked-up fireplace and in other ways making sure no trick was played on us by human agency if anybody is putting up this line of practical joking i said he can't do anything while we're in here if it's a ghost the sound as if someone sobbing and panting for breath came to us while i was speaking it seemed to be in the room within arm's length of us that's easily explained i said as clark grabbed my arm the wind in the empty passages of the house and the chimney makes it's growing dark interrupted my companion i looked up only two of the six candles were burning even as i looked first one and then another of those remaining two lights went out it was as though someone had passed along that side of the room and extinguished them we were in total darkness for i had closed that one open window shutter in the dense blackness as i groped for a match i could hear that great rocking chair slowly begin to creak back and forth i found a match at last and struck it we relighted the candles then i turned to look at the rocker it was standing motionless we stared hopelessly into each other's faces 
i hope mine wasn't as scared and white as clark's and this is the sort of house you advise me to bring my bride to he said at last we've seen enough i'm going home you're going to spend the night here as you promised i answered this ghost seems to be a harmless sort of creature as long as he contents himself with puffing out candles and making chairs rock he can't bother us greatly let's have a smoke and talk it over i sat down in the ghostly rocker and lighted a cigar i kept a keen eye on the candles resolved to get some clue if possible to the way they were extinguished clark threw himself on a sofa at the other side of the room it's no use he said i'll get rid of the house as soon as i can and at any terms i'm sorry because my wife had set her heart on living here with a little repair this would be an ideal home except for the ghost what are you doing the ghost i had risen to my feet and come to the middle of the room the rocker in which i had been sitting was in the shadow the candles as we had rearranged them were all at the lower end of the room near the big mantelpiece as i had sat idly listening to clark's complaint my gaze had chanced to fall on old jan bartolf's picture i could have sworn that i saw the eyes in the tarnished face close and then open i'm just strolling around for exercise i said carelessly it makes one so nervous to sit still in here and as i got to this point my steps had carried me in a circuitous route to the mantel with a sudden motion and exerting all my strength i seized the big picture and wrenched it from its fastenings it fell to the floor with a crash and there in a great hole in the wall which the canvas had covered crouched a human body with a second sweep of the arm i seized it as it was about to vanish into the dark passage behind the opening and pulled it into the room where it tumbled headlong on the floor there's your ghost clark i said brushing the dust off my clothes and watching the figure scramble to its feet you're a clever chap o'gorman but you're not clever enough that's all the trouble with you now clark if you'll keep your hands on this worthy house haunter i'm going on an exploring expedition clark had the struggling fellow by the throat and i lighted an extra candle and clambered up into the hole above the mantel i'll be back in a minute i said the aperture led to a passageway nearly three feet wide that ran the entire length of the house being depressed to a height of about three feet at places where the windows intervened this explained the unusually deep window seats i had noticed the inner walls of the passage those nearest the rooms were honeycombed with auger holes whose aspect showed them to have been bored many years before secret passages through these apertures it had been a simple matter for o'gorman to detect the whereabouts of the candles in the sconces and by a sudden puff to blow them out the threadbare tapestry did not obstruct the air and one could see dimly through it the passage ran clear around the house between outer and inner walls connecting by ladders with a similar secret passage on the floor above 
a ladder descended from the ground-floor passage to a space between the drawing-room flooring and the cellar ceiling this space was quite large enough to admit the body of a man as i glanced into it i could see the drawing-room candlelight filtering through the cracks in the flooring a slender bladed knife thrust through the cracks at the right place would readily account for the rocking of the chair one light push of the knife point would set it in motion old jan bartolf must have had odd theories on the subject of building what may have been the original object of these passages peepholes etc no one can tell whether he sought to spy on his family or guests or whether he feared he might one day need shelter from justice or from indians i don't know perhaps to foister the popular belief in his magic powers but the secret chambers were there and o'gorman had made clever use of them but for his folly in using the cut-out eye-holes in the portrait in order to watch us from a better point of view he would assuredly have gained his point and bought the house of clark for a song o'gorman confessed to us that while wandering over the house with a view to buying it just before clark had outbid him he had blundered on the secret passage behind bartolf's picture the idea of scaring clark into selling cheap had occurred to him soon after on o'gorman giving us a written confession clark greatly against my advice let the fellow go he was so much relieved to find the house was not really haunted he said that he hadn't the heart to drag the whole story into the public prints by prosecuting the swindler end of in a haunted house 